towards the end of the whole thing. So, um, I've got a couple fun facts here. Can I throw those on here with John Keel? Yeah, of course. No, uh, Shane. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. We're done. Episode fucking <laughs> over. <laughs> Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Now, are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental? I don't know. Planes that they're building. And police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. Weird animal-like creature that was shot. <laughs> Wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd way. <laughs> Tune in, Tokyo. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Josh. How's everybody doing out there and in here? How are you guys doing? I'm fucking beat up. Yeah, I heard... Josh went hard over the weekend. Yeah. I was at that (laughs) Halloween party until like three in the fucking morning. (laughs) I'm too old for that shit. Man. Well, well, I appreciate the invite. Uh, We had, well, we had other things going on. The wife um, got her new P4 with the new video game. So, of course, that was the the entertainment of the evening. Well, just in time for winter. So, that's nice. Yeah, exactly. I bought a PlayStation 4 last winter so I could have something to do other than drink inside. (laughs) Drink and masturbate. That's all you got going on, really. So anyway, that's funny. Um, so hopefully you guys liked our Halloween episode that we released uh, last week. Actually, it was fun to do. I really liked the facts and bullshit little segment. I listened back to it and I was like, that yeah, was fucking catchy. Yeah, I, that was fun. We yeah. should. I think we should do that again. Um, we'll see if people like it. Yeah. And if you don't. Fuck off. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What are you going to do? Don't listen. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> one of those I ones. mean, we want to make a show you want to listen to, so let us know if you like what we're doing or if you have suggestions or if there's yeah, by all anything means. you'd like us to cover. Uh, we did get uh, Sarah slid into our DMs on the on the oh. Instagram um, and brought up the 37th Parallel and uh, yeah, some but, of Chuck Zukowski stuff. And mm-hmm. Oh, nice. That would be really fun to get into. Yeah, um, I think the author's name is Ben Mesrick. I have it at my house. I bought. I I read that maybe a year or two ago. It's really good. Mm. So, um, her name's Sarah. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what her handle was. Cool. Oh, that's when they recommended. Okay, I caught that. I just didn't yeah, know who it was I from. Think, so, I think you cool. met her at a car wash. Oh, that one. Yes, yeah. I did meet her at a car wash. I get my business card out. Anywhere, I guess that's random and <laughs> yeah. weird. But when I was whatever. reading the uh, the message, she was like, "Hey, I, I met one of you guys at the at the car wash," and I was like, "Definitely wasn't me." Can't be well, me. I don't, well, I don't wash my car, so it couldn't have been me. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I wash my car once a week, so it yeah. was me. Yeah, that book, Thirty uh, Seventh Parallel, is really interesting, and we should definitely. Definitely cover cool. one of these days, yeah. Yeah, um, we'll put on the loop. Gets into animal mutilations and all sorts of stuff. Oh, all the stuff. fun stuff. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah, Take Sarah all the Lorraine. fun stuff. Cool. Thank oh, there you, Sarah. You go. Cool. Yeah, thanks for reaching out. Um, yeah. You can slide into the DMs, too. Uh, just don't be disappointed if no one responds right away, because we're all pretty <laughs> fucking bad at Swamped. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, by all means. And, um, you know, as you know, you can reach us by email straight out if you want to uh, at strangeuncles at gmail.com. 
Um, you can also find our website at mystrangeuncles.com. We got all kinds of stuff there. Or you can call us if you would like to call us at 801-252-69. There uh, it is. Uh, <laughs> 45. So any ideas, tales, stories of your family? I know I've got a slew, but, you know, it's not all about us. So, you and know, call in. It's Strange Uncles on Twitter and Strange Uncles Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Correct. I yes, I think. Close enough. Just type in Strange Uncles. You really can't go wrong. That's going to lead you at least somewhere. So, anywho. Um, and we have topics up the ass that we are behind. I think we're like two out already now on our calendar. Yeah, I think what so. What we're studying and researching. Yep. So, anyway, kind of cool. Um, speaking of studying and researching, this is going to be, John's going to be in the spotlight on this one, um, about somebody that's pretty infamous. I've heard of his name. You, sir, know a lot more about him, and I know Josh does too. But we decided just because of how amazing the guy is and what he's written and what he's put out that um, it was worth a whole episode. Absolutely. Yeah, if not more. Yeah. Um, we we're talking about the author and researcher, John Keel. Yes. Yeah. Uh, us nerds who are into the phenomenon owe this dude a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Little did I know everything that he has been part of. I mean, that just blows my mind. And we'll get into it, obviously, but um, everything from cryptids to aliens to men in black to you name it. Yeah. It's the gamut. Yeah. You know. Um, do you want to play that clip and then we'll. Yeah, I was going to say, we got a quick clip uh, that we dug up here on YouTube. And it's basically, it's a circa 1980 David Letterman interview. Um, we just took some highlights off of it, but it kind of gives you guys an idea to hear his voice um, and just how he interacts. Because he, the one thing I took from, because I'm writing, uh, writing, reading a book that kind of a compilation of his magazine articles, he writes very layman. He writes very to the point, very easy to read. Um, and I like it. Yeah, you know, it's not all mumbo jumbo jargon, mm -hmm. you know, like some people do. So. Yeah, and you don't really need to be like obsessed with this topic to really like understand where he's coming from and like understand his research. Exactly. So yeah, so we're gonna play that clip. Uh, stand by. Our next guest is a Fortean, and we'll find out exactly what that is from him. He is also the editor in chief of Pursuit Magazine. Welcome, please, John Keel. Give me a recent unexplained thing, right. other than Amazing Al. Every every January and February, here in the Northeast, we have what we call skyquakes. They get into the papers sometimes. Now, recently, they've been blaming the Concord for this. But this has been going on. We've been keeping track of this since uh, about 1840. What is a skyquake? It's an explosion in the sky. We have no explanation for it. We've got a lot of pseudo-explanations. What is the um, the most common or, or, or daily unexplained occurrence. I mean, something that we would all say, yeah, that's that thing. We can't explain it. What? Well, we don't necessarily have daily occurrences, but uh, in recent years, we, the UFO phenomenon has been very common around the world. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's going on in Argentina. And uh, while a lot of people think they have an explanation for it, uh, actually, we're just beginning to find out uh, what's really going on with the UFO phenomenon? UFOs are, are pretty much, I would guess, if we asked the audience, I, we'd probably find over half of them said, yeah, they have reason to believe there's something going on out there, I think. At, at least 10% of them have probably seen one themselves. Has anybody here ever seen one of these things? Yeah. People yeah. applaud if you've seen yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and, and how many of you think there may be something visiting us? This uh, 
What do we have here? This, uh, this is a plaster cast of a, of a big footprint. Now, you've all heard of the abominable snowman in the Himalayas. Uh, we have in the United States, we have a creature that's variously called Sasquatch or Bigfoot. And he's found not just in Washington and Oregon, but he's found all over the United States, especially in the Mississippi Valley. And even in New Jersey, we have quite a lot of reports out of New Jersey, and that's where this footprint comes from. Is there one in particular that keeps you awake at night, that just gnaws at you? Well, there's some frightening things going on, yeah. Like what? Uh, what the, are we scared of here? The animal mutilations that have been going on around the country, uh, especially out west in recent years. But they're also going on in Brazil and France and Australia and Switzerland, Sweden. And these are not pranks or sick no. uh, jokes? Th thousands of animals have been slaughtered now by some mysterious group. Uh, they drain all the blood from the animals. And uh, they also perform expert operations on the animals, removing certain organs. And uh, veterinarians who examine these animals say they can't duplicate the operations. That's amazing. I would also like to know why cab drivers in the city don't speak English, but we'll never figure that one out. Uh, we have to pause. Mr. John Keel, accordion, ladies and gentlemen. So John Keel was an American author and UFO researcher, best known for his work on the Mothman prophecies. In the 1950s, he traveled to India, Egypt, and the Himalayas, where he investigated snake charming cults, the Indian rope trick, and the infamous Yeti. Um, can we talk about, are you going to talk about the Mothman prophecies more in depth further on down the line? I'll, I'll get into it a little bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll be like talking about more of, of the stories that happen in there and stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, this, reach, this research led him to write his first book, Jadu. Uh, later in the 60s, he became heavily involved with the UFO research, leading to his second book, Operation Trojan Horse. Kiel became well-known throughout the UFO community for his unorthodox views and opinions. While everybody in the community was screaming extraterrestrial, Kiel had a different perspective and suggested that this trickster UFO phenomena that had been wreaking havoc in our skies might just be of an ultra-terrestrial origin traveling throughout the superspectrum. That's a word that I, that's new to me, the superspectrum idea. I mean, and after reading through it, I'm like, oh, that makes, that's a whole nother can of worms open up. Yeah. It's really cool. It really blew my mind when, uh, when I first read that and his theory on the super spectrum and everything yeah. that it was about, I was like, wow. That, which, which book has makes, a lot that in there? Is um, it? the eighth tower is where you're going to find okay. a lot of the information on the super spectrum. Um, he definitely talks about it in, uh, Operation Trojan Horse, his second book. Um, but he really dives deep into the eighth tower. Wow. So, cool. if, yeah. Um, the term ultra terrestrial, if you don't know what that means, if that's an unfamiliar term to you, it means that the UFO phenomena isn't coming from some distant star system, but it is actually coming from this planet. And it just exists in another dimension and on another plane of existence outside our time space continuum in the super spectrum. So I, I just think that's, and when he describes it, I mean, it just makes so much sense to me. Right. <clears throat> so it's kind of like how we can see certain uh, frequencies of light, but we can't see past the, that into the other yeah. spectrum of light. We, can, we can't see all the time into the other frequencies of reality. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so we can only see from this light spectrum to this light spectrum. But just because we can only see those... You know, yeah. this over here and that over here doesn't mean there's something that exists beyond that. Right. Same with hearing. You can right. only hear this 
low to high frequency, but that doesn't mean that there are other lower and higher frequencies that are happening. Well, it's the same thing with a, just vision, the same, anything really. Yeah. I mean, we're, everybody's within a spectrum. So exactly. yeah, it's kind of neat. Um, yeah, I think he was one of the first ones to talk about like the dimensional thing, wasn't he? Like there could have been like the ideas are thrown out there, but he kind of fortified it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, he definitely nails it. Um, Keel refers to the super spectrum as a spectrum of energies that lies outside the normal electromagnetic spectrum. He further explains that the energies in the normal EM spectrum work for man in the form of radio waves, power, and x-rays. The energy in the super spectrum often work against man because they affect our minds rather than our machines. Hmm. Keel also describes certain UFO sightings, saying that the witness is actually viewing the transition of a mass of energy from the invisible part of the spectrum across the visible spectrum and back into the invisible frequencies. The mass is somehow altering its frequencies to make the transition. Just blew my mind. <laughs> you lost me like two frequencies ago. <laughs> UFOs are normally invisible to us and are seen only by accident or design, says Keel. Um, but this is a tiny drop in the bucket of the explanation on the super uh, spectrum. And to get a full grasp of this topic, because it's so involved and it just, and it like you, re I've had to read about this like multiple times just to really kind of wrap your, wrap, wrap my your head around it. Brain like, around okay. it. Um, and like I said, if you want to know all the ins and outs, um, I highly suggest his book, The Eighth Tower. Um, it's when I read that, I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, hmm. that's been on my reading list for like four years. Yeah, <laughs> only that long. Fucking... Fuck, man. And I've just never heard anybody talk about the phenomenon that way. It's always, it's an alien from, you know, Zeta Reticuli or mm -hmm. something like that. Right, right. Which I mean, it very well could be. Sure. But this mm -hmm. is, I've never heard anybody articulate such an amazing other theory yeah. well i mean a good way for uh a good way for uh extraterrestrials to travel would be like transdimensionally you know what i mean yeah so. well they're and they're playing well that that idea now they're talking about and still you know again we're dumb as human beings as much as we think we're not um what is a black hole what is a wormhole what does this mean like we're still playing around with those ideas you know, and how justified they may be. Mm -hmm. um, another fascinating topic Mr. Kill talks about is precognition or the ability to see into the future. He states that people with this ability are not just tuning into other human minds. Their brains are somehow tuned to the super spectrum itself, and they are tapping the information stored in it. The future already exists in the super spectrum. That's so pretty interesting. Yeah. It, it's funny because, so for those of you listening, you know, John brought all of, uh, Keel's books, basically. And you got all these highlighted. I just popped this open on this page, and the minute you start talking about that, it's talking about um, future and looking through a microscope. Oh, so <laughs> so you just you just hold your horses. I'm, I'm okay. I've got that right here. So that's crazy. Keel gives up this analogy for a simpler explanation, and that is to compare the super spectrum with a boy with a microscope. So when he, when he peers at a drop of water on a slide, he is, in a sense, looking into another world quite separate from his own reality. In 30 seconds of his time, he can watch the entire life cycle of a microbe, its birth, its multiplying, and its death. Because of its very small size, if the microbe had a sense of time, those 30 seconds would seem like 30 of our years. Time, as Einstein observed, is not a real measurement, but is relative. The microbe swimming about in his drop of water knows nothing about the universe outside his immediate environment, and the boy exists in a whole different dimension. 
The young scientist can see an obstacle in the path of the microbe long before the latter is aware of it. Thus, the boy is able to predict the future of the microbe to a degree. Um, also, if the microbe mm. were able to see the lens that was peering back at it, appearing and disappearing, it would have no frame of reference for the sighting. Thus, the microbe would have to come to its own conclusions and theories as to what it was witnessing. Even if you explained to the microbe that it was just a little boy with a microscope, it would be so far out of the realm of existence that the microbe would just laugh in your face. Just like we do now, the whole idea of something's out there. Yeah. And, and what, you know, really. Mm -hmm. you know? I yeah. mean, because what a microbe, a little boy and a microscope. Right. That's yeah. ridiculous. First what, of all, what's what? a little boy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, like right. that. And it's just crazy that, you know, there's a microbe right here. And I mean, that just explains the super spectrum so, so well, because we're both on this planet. Mm -hmm. We're both existing on this planet. The microbe right. swimming in the water right. and little Jimmy with the microscope. And yet the microbe has no idea about this whole other thing, you know? So there's something else I caught on and something he was talking about, one of his articles. And, and I don't think you cover this in your thing. I'm looking through it. Um, is like ants. You know, if you're way, way high and you see this little line of, it looks like a black line marching. Then you get a little closer. Now you see this animal. So you get a little closer. Now you see it's ants. You get a little closer. You're finding what the ant. Like it's just that, that tune in, mm -hmm. like how small can you get? You yeah. know, from big to small. And that, yeah. I mean, it just really kind of makes me feel pretty goddamn insignificant. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, th I personally think we are pretty insignificant. I think we are too, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, kind of when you look at that, like the picture of the galaxy or something, and it's like, see that little tiny dot? Right. That's you. Just hanging up there. And it's yeah. just like. Whatever. Amongst I'm God's all special this little boy. Stuff. Yes, you yeah, are. That's what your mother used to tell you. She was lying to you, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, I just. Man, that that idea is so fascinating to me that like that's what blows my mind. There's know? another dimension on this planet that could possibly exist, and there's a whole other intelligent yeah species or something that is observing us, but it's from our own damn planet. Yeah, right. Yeah. When I was a kid, my dad, and it was so simple, but he would he would just go look up, and I'd look up, and he goes, "You ever wonder how high is up?" And it was just. Well, not, not now. Now I do. Well, now that I you do. said it. <laughs> but it blows my mind. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Keel's also famous for coining the term men in black. Uh, he first used the term while he was conducting his infamous investigations in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. During 1966, Point Pleasant was plagued with multiple UFO sightings, animal mutilations, and a strange winged figure that would later be named the Mothman. These men in black, or MIB, is how they're referred to. You've all seen the movie. Hopefully. One Hopefully. of my favorite shows. I went over to Shannon and Willie's yesterday, and they were watching it. Which like, one, hey, the new one or the old one? The second one. Uh, the second one's pretty good, too. Yeah. Uh, so. They're all pretty good. They are. Yeah. Except the remake. Uh, uh, I thought it was fun. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen the new Still one. Still men in black. But anyway. I'm I got something real quick on the men in black, why we're on that subject, because cool. I didn't yeah. know this either. This was something else that uh, John Keel wrote about in uh, an article, I think it was in Men's Magazine, like 71, 72. Um, men in black didn't just show up in 47. So 1947, come to find out, was one of the big, we all know about Roswell, all this other shit going on. It was one mm -hmm. of the first times that the UFO <clears throat> phenomena, I guess, pulled out. Um, but they went back as far as a, there was a big UFO scare 
1896 to 1897, which I think involves something in Texas. I think one of the UFOs crashed in Texas. They still have a memorial up there. It's yeah, a little small yeah. town. Yeah, supposedly there's an alien buried in one of the cemeteries. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it kicked off then. Um, even after that happened, people would show up that were dressed weird, weren't paying attention to them. They would just go around and measure things out and – they were in history way back when. Um, then they had another wave of UFO sightings uh, John was talking about uh, in 1909 um, where they showed up too. So, you know, the whole man in black thing, he's obviously been tracing this way back before yeah. the 50s and uh, the 60s. There are stories of it from like Victorian times. And like yeah, back that in far. That Victorian times, there were like flaps of like weird like steampunk airships like – that, oh, I think uh, I stumbled on a couple of those. That That's crazy. Basically, weren't just a balloon, so it wasn't like like a dirigible or a blimp or anything like that. But it was it was like that, but more advanced. And there were like airship clubs and stuff. It was really weird. I think I stumbled on something that was similar to that. And they were talking about um, some anchor that they were that was coming out of the vessel that was tied to a rope, and they some humanoid climbed down, cut the rope, and left the anchor. And yeah. it's on uh, some church gate back in Italy or some shit like that that mm. they found that they engraved into the door. So, you know, you talk about things way back when, you know, even in some of the paintings, if you look really closely, you see something weird in the very background that was painted in there. I mean, yeah. It's there's a cloud. Yeah, like that uh, painting of Jesus Christ being crucified. And then there's two mm -hmm. guys in what can I can only describe as spaceships floating right. through the sky. And then the one of Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary is what I was thinking of, yeah. 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 In the very, very top corner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Crazy. So it's like, I mean, they deliberately painted those. Yeah. And I mean. Yeah, that wasn't just like just somebody with a brush going, oh, oh shit. They yeah. should have put that little like, dobble in there. So it's like they've clearly, I mean, I think there's been sightings going back as long as humans have been around. Well, and you know, it's reported that in the Bible. There was sightings, or could you know the wheel of fire possibly be that Ezekiel saw? Ezekiel. Could it possibly be yeah, a UFO? Ezekiel Very easily, wheel. it could have been. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, these men in black were often described as tall, pale-skinned figures, sometimes with strange facial features such as almond-shaped eyes or a very unpronounced nose. Uh, they were dressed in a black suit and tie and a black fedora, and they would sometimes show up in like you know old nice looking cars yep. that were like a little out of date. And then sometimes they yeah. would show up in like clothes that were not uh, like not relevant clothing for the time period. Yeah. Like they would kind of be, but not just old clothing. Sometimes they would be like clothing that came back, came to style like 10, 15 years later. Yeah. Like it, would, it could go either way. Mm -hmm. So I do love that. It's always like of fucking badass, like 10 year old, black Cadillac, but it's in, know, but it looks right. like it just rolled off the line. Yeah. Like, Brand new. That shit's awesome. License plates that they can track down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The cars just show up. No one hears them pulling up on a gravel road. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. It seemed, it seemed as though these strange beings would always show up after someone had a UFO sighting. In almost every case, there seemed to be something just slightly off about these men. They almost seemed like they were imposters in a human body. They are said to have claimed that they were from air force, but didn't speak in military procedure or jargon or they would claim that they were from just a town over there but through course of casual conversation didn't know about the state's largest newspaper or in fact where the town they claimed to be from was even geographically located amish could they have been amish they would still know what 
<laughs> town they were from. Yeah, like where probably. It, yeah, it where was. their horse and buggy was, was yeah, tied like, oh, up at. over there, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, they would make strange requests to witnesses to the witnesses, such as needing water at a specific time so they could take a strange pill. Asking, oh, shit, I do that. <laughs> asking for jello or what appeared to be some sort of souvenir collecting, taking magazines, pens, or other small objects. Um, there's so many weird stories, especially so many weird stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's another whole fucking rabbit hole in like, its own. I'm thinking of, uh, the ones where they're, where it's like a, a man and a woman and they like start making, making out, out. Yeah. But like do like doing it wrong. Uh huh. Like, what about the ones where they, uh, were offered, what was it? They thought there was fruit on a table. It was actually wax fruit and they started eating it. Mm -hmm. Like they just don't. And then they just pretended like just. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So weird. There was, just, there was one and I don't remember what book it was in where the dude was like super tall and kind of big and usually they're like slim, but, uh, mm. but he had like a weird thing that looked like a cord coming out of his leg and was like requesting a glass of water with certain things in it. It wasn't sugar, was it? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, but like, I think it was like salt or something. Mm -hmm. And they were like, okay. And they gave it to him. Well, he, I think he first, he was like in two minutes, I need a glass of water. Yeah. And then he got it and then like held it for like two minutes and then stopped what he was doing. Cause he's like starting to turn red and looking like he was overheating. Yeah. That's where I got the, that's where the, where he was asking yeah. water for a specific mm. time and like, yeah. And then he that, took the weird, weird pill. pill and, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, some of them are said to, it seems like they have like a bunch of like makeup on. Yeah. Yeah. I've and they've kind of seen it smeared and stuff. So it, like, they're yep. like looking like they put makeup on to look more human. Yeah. They kind of look like reanimated corpses sometimes. So here's the yeah. thing that I'm curious on when we're talking about man in black, because I mean, obviously there's tons of stories back from the fifties, sixties, seventies. What's the most recent, like, that's what I want to know. Like where we're at now in 2019, you know, is this still something that whatever this is, they still try to do or because we are so ad not advanced, but we're into the technology, we're into that, that this, they're not using this tactic anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like we've caught on to their game and they're, right, they're like, right. oh, well, that's not going to work anymore. Yeah. Um, well, I do know there's that video from, I think it's like a hotel or something up in Niagara Falls area and it shows two identical looking guys walk through oh, the yeah. sliding doors of a, I think, I believe it was a hotel and there's a recording of the hotel manager, like talking about this. And I, I, I you're going to have to look it up on YouTube because, yeah, yeah. Uh, and just search men in black Niagara falls. Um, so I, I think that's like the latest thing that I've seen, but that's still pretty old. Yeah. But I mean, it's not more than 10 years old. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's, yeah. It's in recent history. Um, on February, yeah, maybe maybe look that up. Um, on February fifteenth, nineteen sixty-seven, a letter went out from the Pentagon to all commands, which this letter really kind of solidifies that there's at least some type of people going out there, and you know, there's like some legitimacy to some of these stories and stuff. And also Mary Heyer, um, she was a lady that worked at the newspaper in Point Pleasant and worked with John Keel a lot. She had a lot of interactions with these men in black types, like, you know, threatening her, asking her if she'd ever seen a UFO, 
trying to get a hold of John Keel, like, where is he? When will he be here? You know, just yeah. weird stuff like that. Um, but this letter, um, to it reads, information has reached headquarters, United States Air Force, that persons claiming to represent the Air Force or other defense establishments have contacted citizens who have sighted unidentified flying objects. In one reported case, an individual in civilian clothes who represented himself as a member of NORAD demanded and received photos being, belonging to a private citizen. In another, a person in an Air Force uniform approached local police and other citizens who had sighted a UFO, assembled them in a schoolroom, and told them that they did not see what they thought they saw and that they should not talk to anyone about the sighting. All military and civilian personnel, and particularly information officers and UFO, and UFO investigating officers who hear of such reports should immediately notify their local Office of Special Investigations offices. Hewitt T. Wellis, Lieutenant General, United States Air Force, Assistant Vice Chief of Staff. Hmm. No shit. There's that thing. Well, here's an update on the men in black. So <clears throat> you were talking about the Niagara Falls. Mm -hmm. That was 2009. Okay. Um, surveillance video of two alleged MIBs entering a Sheraton Hotel lobby on the Canadian side of Niagara Falls. Uh, was posted to YouTube. Um, it was on May 15th, 2009. Uh, they were asked to see the general manager who, with a fellow employee, worked security for the hotel, had witnessed a triangle-shaped UFO by slowly or fly slowly and silently over the hotel seven months earlier on the night of October 14th, 2008. So, yeah, that's there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and there's an interesting recording of the hotel manager talking about it and hmm. how weird they were. Wow. Well, it's okay. That's fairly recent. That's 2009. Yeah, That's I mean, not, 10 you know, years ago. You were exactly 10 years ago. you said about that. That's crazy. Jesus. Huh. Cool. Yeah, and these guys, man, there's, there's another story about John Keel having, like, two phone lines. Like, somebody hooked another phone line up to his phone line. Yeah. And, oh, really? Yeah. And he, like, even went to the phone company and, oh, man. I shouldn't have even brought it up because I can't. Well, he was wasn't he the being followed? Well. Like he was yeah. actively being um, followed. He would tell like he would tell his friends he was going to go to Point Pleasant when he really wasn't going to, and Men in Black would show up in Point Pleasant when he said he was going to be there um, looking for him. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So it's pretty pretty mm. weird. Yeah, and yeah, he was getting these like astronomical like long distance uh, bills. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know. You used to have to pay money, a lot of money, to call anybody that wasn't <laughs> you in your to. local area. Wasn't there like a weird phone of some sort that had like a wheel you stick your finger into? And uh, you had the to, rotary What dial. was that? Was that called the rotary dial? Yeah. Oh, my girlfriend had like two nines in her number. That fucking sucked. Dicka, 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 Yeah, shit. You're dating yourself, Shane. I know, right? It's awful. <laughs> um, and so I wasn't going to talk about this. But it's one of my favorite stories ever, and it's about uh, Woody Derringer and Injured Cold. You guys heard about Injured Cold? I you heard, right. So this is in the Mothman Prophecies, too, and since we're talking about Point Pleasant a little bit. Um, now, just sorry, just Ingrid, more um, remote viewing side, right? Correct, with that Ingrid? Is that the involvement, or is that? Uh, Injured Cold, no, he's just an alien. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's an alien. Totally that, Sorry. He's an alien that came and uh Woodrow Derringer, I think is his name, Woody Derringer. He was a traveling salesman selling uh like appliances of some sort. Mm. And he basically got pulled over by a UFO. 
And out of the UFO comes walking this dude in a suit. And he had a super big grin on his face. And he was, had him roll down his window, but he said he said it with his mind. So Hmm. telepathically. And he asked him really weird questions like, what do you call those lights down there? And Woodrow Wilson was like, or Woodrow Wilson. (laughs) The president? (laughs) Woody Derringer. I was like, well, that's what we call a town. And asked hmm. asked a bunch bunch of other weird questions and then eventually and he said he wasn't he didn't feel scared um really? felt all right and he ended up having a couple different interactions he's like well I'm called injured cold and he's like what are what do they call you and he told them and they exchanged names and he's like well we'll be seeing you in the future um ding 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 yeah. was this before or after uh valiant thor's Time frame, supposedly. Mm, wasn't Valiant Thor? That wasn't that in the 50s, wasn't that early in the 50s. 60s. So this is uh after this is this is after Valiant Thor. Gotcha. There was a well, that's one thing that I caught that I was gonna cover too while you're looking that up. Um a lot of shit happened in 1973. Did it fall in that time frame? Because reading his book, this reading is like John 60, Kiel's book. This is like 66, 67. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, the real question is, was this before or after the bridge collapsed? Before. Right. So yeah, that's because the bridge collapsed when it was in... I mean, he wrote the book in, what, 75? Mm-hmm. But when the actual scenario happened. Um, so... We're talking a lot about Mothman and Point Pleasant. Um, if that's not something you're familiar with, uh, there were a bunch of sightings of a giant humanoid creature with glowing red eyes uh, that people called the Mothman mm-hmm. for, I was I think, at least a year. It was a little under to, two. Uh, yeah, a little under yeah. two years leading up to the... Uh, co- was it? Did the bridge have a name? I don't remember. Silver Bridge. The Silver Bridge yeah. collapse in in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Yeah, forty something odd people. Yeah, died to their deaths. Type thing. Yeah. Um, and that's what this book is about. If you've seen the movie The Mothman Prophecies, um, Richard Gere's character is basically an adaptation of John Keel, mm-hmm. and the guy that he goes and sees in New York, John Leake, is also like an adaptation for John Keel like after he kind of almost went insane was driven insane by the phenomena and like just retired and gave it all up mm-hmm. right so yeah um injured cold said do not be afraid the grinning man did not speak aloud what he sensed the words we mean you no harm i come from a country much much less powerful than yours he asked for Woody's name what he told him said my name is cold i sleep breathe and bleed even as you do mr cold nodded toward the lights of parkersburg in the distance and asked what kind of place it was woody tried to explain it was a center for business and homes a city in his world cold explained such places were called gatherings while this telepathic conversation was taking place the chimney-shaped object ascended and hovered some 40 or 50 feet above the road other cars came along the road and passed them um and he said he would return and mr cold did return um Mm. so that was that was his first that was his first uh instance encounter encounter yeah yeah Yeah. Mm. Yeah. um and we could we could go into that um on november 4th darren berger 
uh, was riding with a coworker on Route 7 outside Parkersburg when he felt a tingling sensation in his forehead. Then thoughts from Mr. Cold began to spring full-blown into his mind. Cold explained that he was from the planet of Lanulos, which was in the galaxy of Ganymede. Lanulos, he said, was very like the Earth, with flora, fauna, and seasons. He was married to a lady named Kimmy and had two sons. Folks and Lan Folks on Lanulos had a life expectancy of 125 to 175 Earth years. Naturally, there was no war, poverty, hunger, or misery on Lanulos. Must be nice. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Was, we're, can we get a ticket? Yeah. If I can go that way. Yeah. So, um, but huh. kind of, I, I wasn't going to talk about it, but I love it so much. No, it's a neat story. I wanted, I wanted to just touch on that a little bit. But yeah, the MIB is just the tip of the iceberg into John Keel's investigation mm. into the mysteries that surrounded Point Pleasant, West Virginia in 66, 67. Another part to the story is Mothman himself. So, who some speculate was either a harbinger of doom or was sent as warning of what was to become of the Silver Bridge and the 46 souls who perished on that fateful night on December 15, 1967. Something else that uh, I think it is earlier research, and I don't know after, because I have not read the Mothman prophecy, so I don't know if this actually ended up being you know, his final conclusion on what it was. But one of the ideas that John Keel was throwing out there of what it could be. So, in um, Asian folklore... Uh, there's something that's depicted as a like a Birdman hybrid that they have in all their illustrations way back when. Uh, it's known as a Garuda, um, and he thought possibly maybe it was something from this because what they described to what it was and what they saw in the illustrations and the Asian folklore seemed like it would match up close to the same. But I don't know if that was his conclusion. That was just kind of a theory, and I think everybody really fucking had a theory. If you see something giant fly through the sky yeah. just before... <laughs> Uh, awful incident. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty interesting. Um, <clears throat> so during Kiel's investigation into UFO sightings and the bazaar, he received thousands of newspaper clippings from all over the country about various UFO sightings, many of which he was able to investigate firsthand. Over the course of him pouring over the endless reports, he began to see a pattern emerge. He discovered first that the majority of sightings happened to be occurring on Wednesdays and that they were being reported between the hours of 8 and 11 p.m. Uh, that kind of correlates with missing 411, too. Mm -hmm. Does it? I was yeah. going to say, yeah. yeah. Yeah, most people go missing on Wednesdays in Boulder Fields. So really? avoid Boulder Fields in, on Wednesdays. Which is weird. But wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Hmm. Well, that gives a little more validity to that too. <laughs> I just had my mind blown. Um, out of all, all out of all the reported sightings, twenty point five percent happened to fall on a Wednesday. Um, he then discovered that there was a massive flap that occurred from March to April of nineteen sixty seven that somehow missed everyone's radar. Um, even though thousands of local newspaper reports were coming out all over the country about strange lights in the sky, the major news media ignored this flap. Um, Perhaps it was just because none of the editors realized it was happening. Technology back in the 60s isn't like it is today, and to connect the dots took a lot more elbow grease than it would in 2019. Thankfully, John Kill had plenty of elbow grease. Right. Oh, that's disgusting. I, I would just like to see like where he compiled his research, because I'm just picturing that like meme from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where yeah. Charlie's going nuts trying to like... <laughs> oh, is that where he has all the threads and shit and all the yeah. yeah, That's funny. Um, for our listeners, define flap when you mention that. You mentioned it a few times. He uses it a lot in his books. But yeah, so a, f a UFO flap um, just means that there's 
a ton of uh, UFO sightings that are happening. You like, know, kind of like an anomaly. Yeah, sure. you, you, you know, could call okay. it a wave. Right. Yeah, a flap, a wave, but it's just multiple UFO sightings happening over and over, multiple witnesses. Gotcha. Um, okay. And it just continues to happen. Yeah, and it's usually over the same area. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, if, say, in Salt Lake City, you know, for the next, like, two weeks, we were just getting tons of sightings reported, and that would be a flap. Well, I know he mentioned, too, that just across the world, there was there was pockets of UFO sightings. First of all, he had things that um, he believed they were kind of correlated with uh, winter holidays, basically, or holidays in general. Like the, sol- solstice. the solstice was one, yeah. And he said, so basically, there's a wave or a flap every four to five years. Um, the vernal equinox was another one, and then summer solstice was another one. Everything that happened in 1947 happened during the summer solstice time frame. And then different places where, you know, uh, Mexico was a hotbed for a long time, and then it kind of died down. Then Argentina got a huge, which that kind of ties in the movie that you watched. Yeah. Um, and they're still seeing things. Chile right now mm-hmm. is just blown up right and left. And it just kind of four or five years, and it, you know, resurges, and it all happens over again. So interesting. What does it all mean? I don't didn't, know. Didn't he mind. coin the term window areas too? Possibly. I can't remember if it was him or not. I can neither confirm nor deny when that. There is. Um, yeah, uh, the largest flap. Oh, so this is this is pretty crazy. This uh, this blew my mind. Um, the largest flap happened on March eighth, nineteen sixty-seven. March eighth just so happened to fall on you guessed it. A Wednesday? Boom. What do, we, Damn, I'm good. what do we got for him, Shane? Ding, 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 ding. We have an empty beer. Here you go. Enjoy that one. <laughs> Um, and these mass sightings took place all over the country. 11 states in total were receiving reports of anomalous things in the sky. The states included Minnesota, Michigan, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Maryland, Montana, Missouri, Jesus. Illinois, Iowa, and Kansas. Um, yet this is just one of many other mass sightings that were happening all over the country in those years. The prior saw a whopping 74 flap dates in total in 1966 alone. Uh, the prior year, excuse me. Uh, but the large flap on March 8th revealed something else to Keel. He realized that the majority of these reports were coming from rural and scarcely populated areas. It seems as though these UFOs like to do their business away from the majority and prefer sectors such as hill country, deserts, forested areas, swamplands, and places where the risk of being observed is the least. Well, duh. That's what yeah. I would want to fucking be too. Yeah. If I had anything for that. Well, and also it seems like, like I said before, they're invisible until they want to be seen. Mm-hmm. So whatever they're doing in these you know, scarcely and that populated feeds, areas. Right, right. And that feeds back into that whole super spectrum mm-hmm. theory. So um, window areas. Yes, John Keel did. It was uh, basically he had four that was around the world that he thought were window areas where they were kind of a portal, but he called them a window area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. like the, the, I don't know what you'd call it. The boundaries between dimensions are thinner. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. The membrane's thinner or whatever, where it bleeds through. Yeah. Um, one thing that uh, we played clip on that David Letterman show mm-hmm. and I can't cut it out, but one thing he was talking about and the look on David's face was hilarious when he was talking about monsters and cryptids and, and John Keel started going into dinosaurs, you know, that the Italian military were hunting a dinosaur 10 years prior, which so their interview was 1980. That would have been 1970, roughly, circa. Um, and he, that's what he thought, that it, there was a window area 
where they just bleeped into our world. Yeah, yeah like a time slip or right, like a little burp, you yeah. know. So, yeah. Also, mm. in his research, he noticed on these flaps that it would seem like the UFOs knew kind of the boundaries and state lines, like, and they were very focused, just like on these state lines and mm -hmm. on these like, like fictitious they borders them. that we have. Yeah. They would like follow certain like Weird. borders and everything, mm. which is really strange. Like it seems like they had a grasp on our country, I guess. Well, and he had another theory too. Um, let's see. What did I stumble on? Um, kind of a fun fact. So it was something that he noticed with the UFOs. You're talking about like they would follow cars a lot. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, and this is you guys will never guess this. However, I'll throw it out there. Um, what is the number one most recognized car that uh, John Keel said the UFOs follow out of all the makes and models? And again, we're thinking we're thinking late sixties time frame. I feel like I've read this before. Yeah, this is a good one. This would be a factor of bullshit. Uh, the Ford Galaxy. Yeah, I would so. never guess that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's talking about the Ford Galaxy. Um, one thing that he was discovering with UFOs uh, was infrared heat signatures. You're talking about UFOs being around nuclear plants, mm -hmm. um, following cars, following other things, Bigfoot. When you talk about cryptids, you know, they would come and rip people's ACs out of the window and thump on them. They all put off heat signatures, huge heat signatures. So he kind of had an idea that maybe they followed that infrared heat signature um, it was proven that the Ford Galaxy is a hot car. It runs hot just because of the size of the motor and size of the car. Um, that was one of his ideas that he had, that yeah. maybe they follow just because they see that massive heat signature, and that's what they're, that's what helps them or whatever they were following. So I don't know. I don't know how true that was. That's really interesting. What about I love how he can just totally take this phenomenon and just like not listen to anybody else. And just go, and this just is what I think. And just look at the data that he gets. Like, you know, he's getting right. thousands of newspaper clippings. Because I guess there was a newspaper clipping service back in the day that if you're like, okay, we, I need this type of, if anything like this happens, send this to yeah. me all over the country. Well, and I think yeah. a lot of times, like nowadays, people get so, I'll be honest with you, people get so convoluted and they're following everybody else. They're doing mm -hmm. what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And they're coming off all these theories. Why can't you think out of the box? This is what he did. Yeah. He had his own idea, his own theory, how things worked, and he would just shuffle all this other bullshit aside, whether it was critics or people feeling whether it was horseshit, what he was talking about, what he wasn't, and he would just make his own, well, why can't it be this? Yeah. And, and a thousand other researchers would just miss it mm -hmm. but it was documentation was right there all yeah. along he I just mean, figured it out yeah well and he was doing like his own real research not reading necessarily what other people were writing right you know what i mean yeah, yeah. yeah he was doing a hundred percent his own research and this is where his research led him yeah into these you know areas and, and ideas yeah like it's I, it it's really interesting too because i think he's the i don't know if he's the first one to say it but he was the first one i heard it of it from of saying like if you look at the phenomenon it looks back at you yeah and he always had like that's creepy sounding super <laughs> crazy weird shit happening to him all the time because he was uh, well all this yeah shit. and this is where well it goes back to men in black like they were following him he mm -hmm. that was some of that you know where he knew but it wasn't just i caught a lot of ufo talk and the compilation book that that i'm reading um but it wasn't just that it was anything it was anything that was 40 in and mm -hmm. and that's what he kind of studied and yeah you know kind of amazing so 
Um, <clears throat> so where where was I? Um, oh, I'm sorry, John. We got y'all. <laughs> All combobulated. So famed researcher and astronomer J. Allen Hynek, I'm sure you have all heard of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, who was working for the military in the now famous Project Blue Book, chalked up the majority of the March 8 sightings to the misidentification of Venus. Oh, I read about that. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, um, while some may very well have been just that, there are other accounts from highly credible witnesses that just couldn't be the case of a misidentification of a celestial body. Mr. Keel tells of a story in his book, Operation Trojan Horse, of two eerie Pennsylvania police officers by the name of William Rutledge and Donald Peck. The two police officers reported seeing a strange light over Lake Erie for two hours on Wednesday, August 3rd, 1966. It appeared as a bright light when they first noticed it at 4.45 a.m. It moved east... They said, stopped, turned red, and disappeared. A moment later, it reappeared and was now a bluish white. They watched it until 6.55 a.m. As the sun came up and vanquished out the darkness of night, the object ceased to be mere light. It became a definite silvery object, possibly metallic, and finally it headed north toward Canada and disappeared. Could it be that all anomalous lights in the sky turn to a definitive craft or structure once it appears in the daylight? That is a question I don't think we'll ever truly know the answer to, but we'll continue to ask. Hmm. Venus. It's got to be Venus. <laughs> it's got to be Venus. You know, you've seen Uranus, haven't you? Uh, oh. Um, one thing that he was, I found it funny because you're talking about Project Blue Book. Um, Keel kind of thought it was a fucking mess when it initially was compiled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it was. it was just wasn't even, oh, I'm, I'm sure it was, but he flat out told him. This well, is this is a mess. They were, <laughs> they were good at all. Big aspects of Project Blue Book that were ju- that was just a misinformation campaign. Oh, of course. That's original. Well, that's what originally it set out to be is just yeah. to just well, explain until it the away. Main researchers decided that there was something away. there. Yeah, until but, Heineck was like, "Wait a second, I can't explain that." Right. Yeah, right. he went in as an open-minded skeptic. Yeah. But was legitimately looking for any plausible explanation that it could be that right. it was not. A UFO. Right. Did you guys ever um, have you watched that on History Channel? By the way, yeah. Did you catch that? Was I think that's a pretty it, good adaptation. It was good. It was a little. It, there were times where it felt a little like Monster of the Week, like X Files. The sure, I get that. But but they kind of um, you know. Have but to I liked throw it in there. It I think was, it's good. I thought it was good. We'll see if it's coming back. But. Uh, yeah, I think they got approved for season two. I still have only seen like the first one and a half episodes. Yeah, I liked the subplot with the. Russian spies and his wife and stuff. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. N- nice little layer of the onion right there. And so. also that was total Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I mean. So if anybody thinks there's any truth to that. Uh, That's not in Project no. Blue Book. No, <laughs> Project Blue Book was more than just two people and, and Heineck didn't work on it from start to finish. Well, no. And on top of that, by the time it was done, it was like literally a secretary that was in charge of just taking reports and stories. Yeah. Like it was retarded towards the end of the whole thing. So so and, uh, can I throw a couple things out there? A couple little fun facts for John Keel? No. No. <laughs> We're done. Shut down. <laughs> nope. Episode's, Episode's over. over. Um, this was kind of cool. So we had this phenomenon that he did and he actually tested and, and it, I don't know whether he really believed that that was the case or not. Um, using ultraviolet light aimed at a mirror was recorded with a video camera and it sometimes revealed a person who had just died. Like there was a famous actress who had just died previous and because the ultraviolet light and the mirror and how the wavelengths going back to kind of dimensions, I guess Mm -hmm. you can talk about it. They actually saw this figure that was this 
dead actress. And it's, it occurred more than once. And it was really easy to pull off, really easy to do. That was one of the experiments he was part of. Wow. Um, he also, along with that, talked about electronic <clears throat> equipment that would be hunted. Um, and you talked about like phone calls from the dead. Yeah. That was one of his repertoires. That was one of the things that he studied and he kind of, well, you know, it's possible. You know, electronic equipment can yeah, have that, this. So it's, it's sort of along the lines of like a crisis apparition. Kind of. Yeah. Where same like, thing. Uh, basically, people will get a phone call from someone who's recently deceased or who like they find out later died right. just prior to them receiving the phone call. Um, usually it's not like terrifying. It's usually more comforting. Yeah. Like a reach out from yeah. a lot of, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then when the computers start coming about, a lot of people were saying their computers were haunted and they would, different letters would pop up oh on the screen God. and all this bullshit. They covered like you a know? weird ass fucking. Let me guess. You're going to say mysterious uh -huh, universe. But I they, knew it. They covered this thing where uh, these guys were using a like early 80s computer to fucking communicate with people from like the 1400s or something. Oh, Jesus Christ. It was super <laughs> I, li I like to be a crazy. mouse in that fucking corner. Well, yeah, and then he had one other wild. thing that he was talking about. So he would, one thing that I, and again, you know more about John Kill than I do, but it's neat how he put things together in his own reference. He just took all these facts and all this other bullshit around him and he just looked at the data. Yeah. And so he found um, that there were certain things, for example, uh, women got chased a lot more by UFOs than men would. Um, women who were menstruating got chased a lot more. Sexy. Women, yeah, right. Women who had, uh, who was a teacher and had a gifted child at home had the most numerous encounters with UFOs chasing them. So I guess if you're a teacher with a gifted kid and you're on your period, you're kind of fucked, I guess is a whole fucking sum it up. There. Well, it's the blood thing's weird because there was, I think it's in Mothman prophecies, like I think it was a Point Pleasant thing where mm -hmm. uh, someone saw a UFO chasing like a truck that was go carrying blood to go to like a blood bank or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've and heard that before We're trying to like get into it, like put like, like a little like fucking straw came out and was like, <laughs> we were trying to get in Now you're making that shit up. <laughs> yeah, I think there is a story in there. It's been a minute since I read that book, but yeah, I think there That's was. crazy. So. Intergalactic Vampires. Oh man, that'd be a cool movie. Come yeah. up with that one. And then Mothman. King. Mothman's been known to chase a bunch of cars and yeah. the TNT right. area and everything. Well, and there's been other things that were similar to what a Mothman is that they just didn't classify it as such, like yeah. the Jersey Devil, other, you know. Again, you're talking cryptids, but the Mothman was popular just because he showed up just before something horrendous happened. He was like a harbinger of death type thing, yep. you know? So one of these things. So, um, yeah, wow, uh, man. I think we should get like way in depth on the moth, the Mothman incident. Like, yeah, I think there'd be a lot of research in that, but I, there's more to it than just this thing showed up and a bridge collapsed. Yeah. Like there's way, way. And that whole area in West Virginia. There is a plethora of shit in just that region mm -hmm. of things that people would see and what, what's still going on. Uh, the green roads. goblin children that's coming out of the caves and the like, there's all kinds of, yeah, that whole area is weird and it can tie in well. So, yeah. are there mountain mamas, um, country roads? Sure, John Denver, if you want to. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But, John, thank you, man, for taking the work. That was cool. Yeah. That yeah. taught thank, me a lot, actually. Thanks for listening. Nope. I hope you like it. Yeah. This yeah. was fun. <clears throat> it was good. Yeah. I enjoyed uh, kind of rereading some of those books and 
remembering some of the cool stuff that he did. Um, I think after reading him, he's like definitely opened my eyes and I feel like I just kind of got more obsessed. If you can call it that into mm-hmm. this like UFO. We'll phenomenon. let you say you're obsessed. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. If you want to, you I little girl, you, I'm obsessed. <laughs> well, there's other ones too. Like, uh, I would love to do an episode on Manly P hall. I think the guy was absolutely amazing. What he covered, and he was a philosopher, just you know, blew my mind. Same with John Keel, just in the time frame, you know. Mm. So, anyway, hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode. Um, do you have anything else? Um, just go jazz. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep. You're heading out to a jazz game. <laughs> all right. Well, by all means, if you guys have a uh, story, recommendation, tales of terror, whatever you want to do, you can call us eight zero one two five two sixty nine. Hmm. 45 and you can also email us at strangejungles.com um feel free we're on all platforms and yeah can't wait to hear from you guys um, share your stuff we would love to get more feedback from you and also like to hear your stories we were hoping to get enough uh like call in or email in stories that we could just do like a like a listener stories episode at some oh that'd be cool i think it'd be really fun Yeah. yeah and comment on it we'll see where we're at but meanwhile you know hope you guys do good uh we're going to close the gates close the gates